We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And today is a night of celebration. I believe greatly in celebrating the milestones along the way, even if it is not the final milestone that you're going toward. But the Lakers reached 500 tonight for the first time in 423 days. And I know this because poor Chris McGee, Geeter, as we all know and love him in, from the postgame, and uh, pregame uh, on Spectrum has been counting this down agonizingly for, for quite some time now. We texted tonight and gave each other a uh, virtual high five. We made it back to 500, guys. It's uh, dug ourselves out of that 2-10 and 10 hole. Obviously got a game against a fired-up Chicago team that's playing good ball on Sunday, but proud of the guys, Mike. Uh, it was a, g- a good night tonight. I'd love to hear some uh, what you saw on the scene. Well, Pete, I do like celebrating things uh, that you know regardless of, of what walk of life that you're in celebrating moments along the way i though i do not however like how baseball players celebrate um after like divisional rounds and like clinching the postseason and then clinching the pennant and all that like it's you're not if you don't win the world series in sports oh. i feel like you shouldn't celebrate so i i just was curious if you disagreed based on what you just said before we get to the Lakers. so yeah so to me it's more like it has to be commensurate with the accomplishment, right? So like fist, uh, so like 500 to me is like a, a good fist pump. Like it's like looking at you guys on, on the Zoom call right now and be like, we freaking got there, right? But that's the extent of the celebration. I feel you on the base, on the baseball thing, but it okay. is important. Right. Even those like little, hey guys, we did it. And I felt some of that in the post game in the locker room too. You could tell it's a, a meaningful landmark for the guys. Yeah, for sure. It, it was just because they couldn't get over the hump the first two times they had a chance to get to this uh, to get to this point and to do it when they took a blow, which was D'Lo going out, uh, which we found out, you know, what, like right after we recorded mm-hmm. the podcast, literally, um, I got a text message. And it, at that point, we, we thought that he was questionable. And I thought that like Anthony Davis was so damn good early mm-hmm. that the Lakers got a healthy lead that they were able to kind of hold on to and then 
you know, other guys played well, like Lonnie Walker was huge off the bench yeah. and Schroeder really stepped up in the second half. So they got, they got sort of enough to eventually get it. But I, I, I felt like in that second half, they were feeling the loss of the either D'Lo or LeBron, mm-hmm. where this team was a couple of weeks ago before D'Lo returned from the last injury. And like, so that let's, I'll put that aside. Um, and cause I, I'd love to get Darius's thoughts first on this game specifically, but, um, the bottom line to me was that AD brought it in the way that they needed him to. Mm-hmm. And OKC uh, had nothing for him. And as Darius, I, think, I guess you said, had nothing for him uh, in the way that uh, if I was reading your the, uh, the apostrophe in your text message correctly. They did not have anything for our guy AD. And we talked about this in the pod that we did earlier today. And I think I told you guys, A, like, one of those 35 and 15 nights from AD yeah, would be great. And hey, 37 and 15. And so my mm-hmm. exactly what I was looking for got answered. And this game actually played out in a similar way to what I thought it might like. Um, and when we previewed the game earlier, we thought that Delo was going to play, but I thought um OKC's defensive wings would have given him similar issues to what they gave our guy Austin Reeves, who after Mm -hmm. a couple of fantastic games, like didn't get a very kind whistle. Right. Wasn't that interesting? Um, That becomes a story. And all of a sudden. Yeah. And so Austin with the not as great whistle and just playing against some some bulldog defensive dudes who Mm are like really good athletes, man, Dort and 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 Jay Williams, like. They're out there. They're out there moving the puppies, man. And they're sliding and Austin's trying to bump guys off and these dudes aren't moving. Right. And it took a lot of force from other players on the roster in order to sort of lift this team team up. And that started with with AD and then another and a great Dennis fourth quarter. Lonnie was great. And and so I also thought too, that Mike, you were in the building, but I thought the crowd was really good as well. Again, like Mm -hmm. there were moments where I think in other arenas, the fans might've gotten a little tense. I know I was tense watching the game and, and feeling a bit anxious, but there were moments there where every time at least this is what it felt like watching from from TV that every time OKC was on the verge of of taking the game and, and like getting over the hump themselves and and taking a lead whenever the Lakers made a sliver of of a play like the crowd was right there to lift mm-hmm. them up and and take them further than what they would have been if it was like a neutral environment or or a road game for sure. And that's what you need from the home crowd when you're a little bit shorthanded and and you the team is probably feeling the angst a little bit, too, of like, well, we want to get there like you. You're talking about Pete that like they're feeling the relief after the game a little bit or celebrating that a little bit themselves. But Mm -hmm. during the game, you know, you know, it's just like, oh man, like, are we going to let this one slip away? We, we haven't gotten one of these the last few times that we've had a chance. Well, and it's also just a talent thing, right? Like all of a sudden Austin Reeves has the best perimeter defender on him, right? And those, those athletic wings 
that's Dennis and Austin that they're on top of rather than D'Lo. And then all of a sudden, the third guy is matched up with the guy that has a more advantageous matchup, right? Like that, it's the the whole slotting thing we talk about. And that goes along with LeBron as well, Mike. And so to me, this season has been a constant, like, figure out how to win this game tonight with the guys that you have tonight. And (laughs) that has changed so much. You should if you're ever interested, go on YouTube and just watch some of the highlights from the very beginning of the season and just look at the lineups on the floor. Just click a, a random video at a random point and just kind of chuckle at, at who's out on the court. And that said, though, Mike, I, I think that there is a degree of resilience there that we've built up and we've fought through. And there's a certain amount of like, we're going to figure it out. We have to figure it out. We don't have a choice. And I think that they've started to really lean into that. And I just, yeah, really proud of the performance tonight. So just to speak first to Darius's question about the arena, yeah, man, the crowd has been locked in for a while now. You know, they they really are, and it's a I I say this, but I feel I think it bears repeating. They just know what is required from them. Uh, it, it's a two way relationship, right? Like the you wouldn't have sports leagues if you didn't have fan bases that, that were in there. They you you would just have pickup basketball essentially. And, and that's the thing that makes it different in the arena. And I, I think that as represented in the fourth quarter, when OKC got actually tied the game, some crowds would get quiet. Then the Laker crowd gives the team energy and, and it's a real advantage. And I think about it, especially in the context of what's likely going to happen in the Western conference. And this is with regards to a play in game. Uh, and now there's still hope like the Lakers are only now, a game and a half out of the five and the six, like the mm-hmm. Suns and Warriors are tied essentially. Um, I think Phoenix is like a, a, a hundredth of a percentage point above them right now. So that's not out of reach uh, if the Lakers can keep finding ways to get wins. I think it it becomes harder depending on what the D'Lo and LeBron injury thing is and who comes back when, and we can get to that later. But man, I see Pete shaking his head because that's been the story it, of the entire. Ah. It's just on and on and on and on. But so just set that aside for a second. Like there, when the Lakers, the LeBron game um, when he passed Kareem and they lost to OKC at home, right? So that was they go twenty five and thirty at that point. Next game, they lose to Milwaukee. Now they had made the trades, but they had yet to get those players mm-hmm. in yet, right? So twenty five and thirty one, and from now to be thirty seven and thirty seven despite a couple of ridiculous last second losses, you know, <laughs> most notably the Dallas one, you know, they have just been grinding their way to these wins, grinding uh, several on the road, several at home. And here they are like, the, this is the, this is the first time that they've been in the control of staying in the, at least the seven, eight play in game, uh, which is for this team, a big difference, even from the nine, 10 play in game, I believe. And and that's that's something that they deserve to be commended for, especially because how many of those games have they had LeBron and Anthony Davis and D'Angelo Russell like one and how many of the games have they had LeBron and AD a couple. So it's uh, it's it's noteworthy and they deserve some credit for it. And the job is far from done. But like Pete said, to start the podcast, you know, they there are several people that deserve credit uh, for get, for digging them out and getting to the spot where they're at right now. They're 12 and six in that period of time since the new guys showed up. And that's a 667 winning percentage. That's top five in the NBA. We'd be, if you did that over the course of a 
a whole year, we'd be a half game out of the number one seed right now. And so it's just a matter of have we had enough time? And it's not over, right? It's not a matter of, ah, oh, we made it to 500 because Chicago's going to have some smoke for us on uh, on Sunday. So let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk a little more about reaching this milestone and then the game ahead. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So we don't know Delo's status, um, but big game coming up on Sunday, D. Um 12:30 game. We've talked a bit about the Pat Bev angle. I thought Anthony Davis had a very politic answer to some probing questions in the post game about some of the things that Bev, who has his own podcast, uh, has said. Right, uh, but to me, AD, like you know, we we started there for this pod, and I think that against the Bulls in particular, he's going to be the central figure again. He is, and he's going to be the central figure every night. I think, or at least he should be. You guys. Um, you guys, though, you too, though, because you see all the unvarnished, unedited tweets or would be tweets. Right. But they're text messages. Right. And so I I've been fired up about A.D. for several weeks now, really. And listeners of the pod know this as well, because I have certainly showed an agenda for ad to like get the ball more and really be be featured but on nights where he's does not have a great defensive matchup and you know in order to start to contain him the defense is going to have to double him or show him a second defender very early i think starting your offense through him is super important and i think that's going to be true against the bulls as well like Nikola Vucevic is not going to be a guy that you're going to want to leave on an island alone against Anthony Davis. And if he is on an island alone against Anthony Davis, Mike, then AD should be looking to be as aggressive as he was against the Thunder. Even if he's not on an, even if they send doubles too, like I still think you have to give him the ball some because we saw how that works when AD's been absorbing double teams he's been passing the ball out and he's been like the lakers have been swing swinging the ball to open shooters lonnie got a huge 
fourth quarter three off of a double team swing swing where Austin made the extra pass from the top to Lonnie in the corner and it's just like that's an open three and the defense can't rotate fast fast enough to that and so AD is going to be crucial against the Bulls and and where they're going to go especially without LeBron like AD is going to be the guy who leaves them there one thing he said I believe it was in his walk-off tonight was about he was talking about the importance of us pushing pace and converting mm-hmm. defense into offense and how like when we play slow it's against our nature and this goes back to all the conversations we had even before the season and when we were thinking of the team being structured around Russ to some degree of like hey you got this guy that this is what he does and what he does well that has to be a big part of what your team is and so a big part of the first part of the season was like we have to ha- have this team that's that suits what he does but isn't just that that isn't the only like th- that can play without him as well but it's interesting that we've kept that part of our personality right and so it's just as the half court execution is making these incremental steps that you were just talking about d i think that certain nature of oh anthony davis is going to get every in traffic rebound mike he's going to get contest shots on the interior as vando is making things happen out on the perimeter but a level of activity that I think just animates everyone in a way that AD is the only player on our team capable of of animating this team in that way. Yeah, I was I'm not prepared to have this discussion yet, but I was I was starting to hear a couple of not the one that you're suggesting, the one that I'm about to suggest, but basically it's about all NBA. And I was just thinking of AD in the context and in picturing the Lakers as at least continuing some of this rhythm and getting into the playoffs, right? And and just like how many guys that AD is just a better player than around the league? Mm-hmm. And like he wasn't an all-star. There wasn't any uproar about it. Even when he's not at his most aggressive, which he was tonight, he is still so much better than almost everybody yep. in the front court. And I guess he's, so he's played, right, center all year. And he, that's the thing. Like So it's going to be Embiid and Jokic on first and second team. And I think a lot of people are going to default to rewarding Sacramento and rewarding Sabonis, who's had a very good season, has mm-hmm. played more games. But Anthony Davis is a better player than DeMontis Sabonis. He just is. I, I, I guess there somebody could make a counterargument. I, I don't think it would be a hard one, a hard discussion to have. But uh, that's we can save that for later. I haven't gone through and made all the all NBA things yet. It's just I'm, I'm just starting to think of it in the context of of what he's um, the games that he's played. And like, as he gets over that, that the, the, the whole five and a half week absence, mm-hmm. that's an all NBA discussion thing. But to me, that's different from the MVP. Alas, the point is um, he, for the most part has been very good. Um, and he's had periods where he's just completely dominated in games where he's completely dominated. And tonight was one of those games. AD's best D is he's one of like it. I would put 80s best games against anyone else's best games in the league. Like it's that complete of that sort of contribution. And so, you know, this was one of those nights where we won the game because we had that guy on our team. Um, but we also don't win that game without the contributions of Lonnie Walker, the fourth. And so, uh, some great quotes in the post game and from him about just being ready. And he was, the story of his season is a little bit bittersweet, right? He started the season as actually one of the bright spots on the team. I remember speaking very fondly about him on the pod as the rest of the team was struggling. It was like, Hey, Lonnie's really 
contributing in ways that we're uh, that, that we're happy with. And as the team changed, I think that the necessity for a player like him got less and less in ways that it's like I, I felt bad for him in that the team kind of like went away from him in ways that he's neither a dependable shooter nor a dependable on-ball player. He's something in between of uh, of that on a team that's had that had so many smaller guards that needed to be able to defend and all of that and just he kind of found himself on the outside looking in but he stayed ready man and we don't win this game without him tonight and just the level of force and uh and speed and just spirit that he played with was absolutely great tonight tremendous shot making couple of key like talk about playing fast and taking advantage of transition op- opportunities he had a mm-hmm. couple of tough finishes like in the open court so we really like force the issue on it like yeah it, like it could have not two, been an opportunity mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah like he's playing in a crowd a little bit those can be tricky plays too like if those miss you're not speaking of him right. so fondly like, for making doing? those <laughs> yeah those yeah. decisions but it's just like he he finished those and mm-hmm. um Darwin was correct in sort of like, you know, he, I'd be re- he's he said it post game like I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this dude up. And I I thought Lonnie spoke very thoughtfully um, about that idea, too, of of like, like I've had my ups and downs during this stretch and it's been hard for me. And um but I'm but I take it to heart when when the coach sort of gives me my flowers the way that he did post game. And I'm sure this is where Mike Darvin is is very good, I think, at just sort of like wearing his emotions on his sleeve and how that matters to players like you could easily lose players when they go from being a key player within the within within the structure of your of what little success you're having earlier on during the season and this guy is really helping to falling out of the rotation completely eventually for reasons that are partly Lonnie right let's not let's keep it real here he he that's he got to the mm-hmm. point where he was not defending to the level that he was defending at earlier during the season, his shot selection and shot quality started to fall. And it's just like, and Troy was like the, the little engine that could within the context of Troy kept plugging away and plugging away and Troy deserved those minutes. Mm -hmm. Like Troy earned the role that he took. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and we've all seen Austin's growth and, and, and then after you make a trade, like you made a trade in a way where you got players that were going to be in direct competition for the minutes that Lonnie Walker was going to get. And Mike, you've made this point too, that when you trade for players, you're naturally in a position where it's just like, well, we didn't trade you to sit you, right? We traded you like we traded for you to play you. And so that just shoved Lonnie down another rung. Right. And so whatever competition, quote unquote, competition that he would have been in for minutes, like he almost lost it by default. And that's where Darwin's quotes about like sometimes it's not anything you did. And in that case, it wasn't right. They traded for like they traded for Malik Beasley and he's in direct competition with Lonnie Walker for those minutes. And guess what? Like we got this dude. We're playing him. And he's more clearly defined. Right. Like Beasley is a shooter in that. Whereas Lonnie's more of a tweener. Yeah. And so, Mike. Lonnie, though, that idea of 
this game reminded me of so many other games that Lonnie has had during the season where it's just like, oh, look at like, yes, that's it. Spot up threes, pull up twos, but like in the 16 to 18 foot range rather than pull up threes and downhill athleticism finishing at the basket. That's his game. And when he can do those things over and over and over again, he's going to be successful. Where he lost his way was when LeBron's out. You don't have on ball Austin yet. So it's basically just Dennis and then Lonnie playing in lineups where it's just like he's splitting ball handling duties and playing almost sort of quasi point guard stuff. And you're asking him to shot create out of pick and rolls. It's just like that's not what he does well. And it played back into his sort of lesser and worse tendencies as an offensive player. And so tonight I thought we saw the version of Lonnie that can be successful and that can be a rotation player where it's just like, oh, backside player, transition player, spot up three point shooter, like semi shot creator for himself out of pick and rolls where it's like these are easy pull up jumpers for him. That's his those are his strengths. And I'm happy that when he got to play to those strengths, he showed, hey, I'm still good at the same stuff. Like, thank you very much for giving me an opportunity. And this is what's so difficult about not just the injuries, but the key injuries that the Lakers have had because they're, each one requires a different type of formula and chemistry to get to the best lineups. And like mm-hmm. with this current one, you know, Lonnie, I think that he, there is a little bit more utility to him than there is with Beasley. Um, almost for the simple nature that he can put the ball on the floor yep. and go get to the rim. And that's just, you know, that's not the main strength of Beasley. And... Also, I thought tonight, and Pete, I'd be curious for your take on this too. I thought he was more attentive defensively and that has waned some. I thought Lonnie to start the season, and we've talked about this, right? Was pretty attentive defensively. And then he got a little bit away from that. And, but he's had these games sitting there and I think he's, you know, certainly wanting to put his best foot forward and Beasley, not as attentive at times. Um, I thought he was better in the first half, certainly his first shift. Um, then the second we, we had, we had talked about that, but it's, it's not just about that. It's just like when Russell is out and when LeBron's out, then this is the conversation that you have to have because it is important. Like that spot becomes important. They need something out of it. And that's with Dennis playing really well. And Austin for once, right. Literally like the first time in several weeks, just having the wrong type of matchup where they had both uh, Jalen Williams and Lou Dort always there. And, and he wasn't getting the calls that he's been getting at all uh he was not getting the whistle and so you know look he still found a way to have a big assist game and uh, he had nine assists and helped in a lot of ways and he still was was better um than not than not having him on the court but i'm it's hard not to continue to think about how this rotation is going to play out when i don't think you can be confident that russell's going to play on sunday a 12 30 game right if he wasn't good enough to go today is there going to be something he's going to be able to do saturday as opposed to then the team doesn't play until Wednesday. You know, if something's, if, so, if something's sore in the hip, right. Is that, mm-hmm. it just would, it would surprise me. Now I, we, we will see, there's no reporting on that. Darwin didn't give an additional update on it, but um, I, I think there's a real chance that they have to go another game 
um, with a team that has ball pressure type guards and some mm-hmm. guys that can size up wing defender types uh, to try and make life difficult for Austin again. And then, you know, who are you going to get to step up a little bit more? I'd, I'd rather have some more Lonnie minutes there to attack um, maybe than Beasley and just, you know, with what he's doing from a shooting perspective. I mean, he went about it in a different way than Delo would have, but Lonnie provided exactly the level of production from that type of spot that we needed in Delo's absence. And so the ability to step into that and be able to get downhill and go about it in a, a different way. I, I actually think in that Chicago game, if I, I agree with you that, you know, I'm not expecting Delo to play for the reasons you mentioned. Um, but for similar reasons that he was successful against OKC, I think that, you know, Lonnie can can step into that role against a Chicago team that may very well not have DeRozan, right? For the same uh, type of thing we were talking about. He was ruled out for uh, tonight. Yeah, tonight's game. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So he, he didn't play tonight. Same thing for them, right? They're playing in LA at 1230 on a Sunday. Uh, we, we will see what where they go with that. Where's your mind at for that Sunday game, D? How do we uh, keep this up and, and, and a game above 500? Well, I think that it's like we talk a lot about the offense and what the offense can do, what the offense can do. We talked about AD, and but to me, it still comes back to the defense. The Lakers have been one of the top defensive teams since the All-Star break, and when they needed to clamp down against the Thunder mm-hmm. in that last stretch, they did it, right? And so you look at a Bulls team that they've got some offensive fire, well, firepower, that obviously goes down if DeRozan isn't available to play. But I'm looking at a guy like Vanderbilt. We So Vanderbilt did guard Shea. I mm-hmm. thought he did a very good job on Shea. And that mm-hmm. Shea, just like Booker, got almost all of his production when other guys besides Vanderbilt were mm-hmm. defending him. Can Vanderbilt defend Zach Levine? Mm-hmm. Right? And so it's just like every night there's a guy. Yep. on the other team that is their best shot creating wing offensive player and Vanderbilt seemed like I'm going to keep throwing him into the deep end of the pool and like can you swim and he's been swimming just fine this is one of Shea's you know worst games of the season uh, in terms of efficiency and like he's a guy that averages over 30 and he you know he didn't get to 30 and he wasn't efficient uh, he was nine for 22 from the field eight for nine at the free throw line two turnovers uh, to eight assists like they that's a that's a great job and and we talked about it with the combination of Vanderbilt and AD you know shoring up a lot of that action in the paint even if they had to give up a couple of threes uh that like that's good that's a good job man yeah and so one of the things I'll be interested in it just in this is like deep dive Chicago Bull stuff at damn near midnight on a Friday <laughs> night here let's go but for the love of the game, buddy. It's it's playoff time for everybody, right? We all got to lock in. <laughs> well, this is where it's just like the thing that AD has been doing a lot of defensively is like, I'm not guarding my guy. Yeah. Yeah. Right? He's been roaming and, 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 and blowing up a whole bunch of other stuff because of it. 100%. Vucevic is not a dude who you do that against. And He's going to so score if you do that. I'll be very interested in seeing eight how AD changes up his level of engagement in his individual assignment and what that looks like in context to what his team responsibilities are, right? Because AD can be the best defender in the world on any given night. And he has the ability to do that as an on-ball player and he has the ability to do it as an off-ball player. And there's not a lot of guys in the league that can make that claim. Like Giannis is one of those dudes... um, 
Embiid when he's really locked in and and engaged can be one of those JJJ Mobley yeah Mm -hmm. exactly like mostly and who are we talking about here right like these super versatile rangy bigs that are huge and fast and have great hands and can protect the rim and can switch every once in a while as well right there's not too many of those guys alive AD is one of them and so when his individual matchup is a more like crafty offensive force type type of guy, but you also have these potential wing options, especially if DeRozan plays who are going to live in the mid range and the dude who you're guarding is a spacing five, th- that little game within the game is a thing that I'll be watching for specifically because if that goes in the Lakers' favor, they have a much better chance of of winning this game because it to me it it, it is about the defense, Pete, way more so yep. than it is the offense. I agree with that, and I think that that's where the team's head is at. I hope hopefully it's not a, a trap game. I don't entirely trust the team yet, but I've been this was a, a really good last couple of wins in particular. So. We gonna have a short one here because it is damn near midnight on a Friday night. Uh, but we needed to have a bonus pod to celebrate getting to 500. We will be back on either Sunday night or Monday morning to discuss how the Bulls game went. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic. Got it. Magic fires. It's good. They win. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, listen! Brian! Unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot popping out of five. Brian. Yes! And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.